Hey, you beautiful fucks. This is episode 8 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. In this podcast, I got to sit down with Garrick, he who captures. Garrick talks about how he's witnessed photography change lives. How it captures the emotional interaction between people and reality. I met Garrick at an event called Isle Wild. Basically, it's a month-long artist retreat where people go out and camp out in a field to collaborate and create different performance art pieces. It was my first time there, and it was his first time too. But my son kind of took to him. My son spent the whole night with him, just exploring wanting to learn more and more about his photography and in this place my son was very shy and my son felt very vulnerable as did I but Garrick's photography was able to kind of I guess transcend that anxiety and it was it was fucking beautiful and I was kind of curious because if it was just my son or if it was Garrick on the whole and spending an entire day with Garrick I kind of watched him I watched him interact with the the people we ran into people we had no idea who they were and Garrick got very personal very quick with them and he was able to I guess open them up very easily it was really interesting it in with him more than anybody else that I've met what he enjoys doing is a fundamental cornerstone in who he is. It comes up with in every conversation that he has, even with complete and total strangers. That's usually why he has a conversation with a stranger. Is because he wants to take their picture. Garrick's not just a photographer. He's obsessed with Polaroids. In this podcast, he explains what it is that actually got him into his obsession with Polaroids, what it does for him, and how it can all make our lives just a little bit better by implementing what he's implemented into our own lives, or even picking up a Polaroid ourselves. Um, I thought something else that... I. I thought there was something else really interesting that um, Garrick brought up, and I'm hoping to pursue even further. Um, it's actually a name, uh, Dan uh, a man called Daniel Bacon, and he runs Beyond the Cut Foundation, which they do haircuts for the homeless. And it was actually one of Garrick's first opportunities um, to be able to capture these raw emotional moments, these culturally defining moments. And Garrick, Garrick explains it in detail, his experience in this, this epiphanous moment that he had when he got to photograph the Beyond the Cut Foundation giving haircuts for the homeless. It, it's interesting. Garrick almost seems, sees himself as an observer, an observer of life. And I can kind of relate to that because through... Through writing, that's what I express, is my observations. I know we all observe, but I've spent a lot of my life feeling incredibly alienated and separate from people. And I know that that's all, a const or that's all my own complex. 
but it was interesting to find somebody else who was able to open up and kind of meet me on that level. Track by heuristics, and then we'll get on to Garrick's story of becoming human. Till next time, you beautiful fucks. What you obsess over? What's your passion? My passion is film and Polaroid photography. I mean, they're basically the same film photography, but Polaroid's mm -hmm. an instant thing. It comes out right away and develops after two or three minutes. Oh, okay. And what kind of got you into that? Well, I'd have to say uh, <laughs> my friend from Ireland, uh, she asked me for a Polaroid camera because she really, really wanted one. And she asked me to send it to her. But after maybe about two weeks, we, we stopped talking. Oh, really? Why? Well, uh, it was, I don't know why, honestly. But, that's uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, it's, we're, we're friends now. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I never did send her the camera. Uh -huh. And I bought her film, too, after I looked up this company yeah. called The Impossible Project that still makes film. The Impossible Project? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, okay. What is, and what are they, what were they about? Well, they're oh, about making Polaroid film. They bought the uh -huh. last, uh, Polaroid factory in Enschede, uh, Netherlands. Whoa, that is cool. Yeah. And they still make film for SX-70 Spectra 600 cameras. Cameras that you, everybody has at home. Yeah. Wow. And they're the only ones that are doing it or there's... Oh, yeah. There's, there's one last factory in the world. That is insane. And it's beautiful that they're keeping this this art alive that almost yep. literally blinked out of existence. Anyway. It's, it was their passion that kept it alive. Yeah. Because, yeah. It's amazing. But uh, back to Irish Girl story. Uh, she, I bought her film for it. And I had this film sitting around. I'm not using it. And I go to Port Angeles to visit my cousin. Yeah. And that is one of the most powerful moments I ever had ever in my life where I knew what I wanted to do. But it happened like this. I go out to, I uh, can't remember the exact place. I just know it was in Port Angeles. Uh -huh. And uh, there's this rock and trees on top of it. Yeah. Out, in the, out in the ocean. And I fold up that Polaroid. I fold it up so I can take that picture. Uh -huh. Hold up, frame it, and take that picture. And then I hear this, and click. And you see the flash go off. 
and this picture comes out. And I, of course, thing is with film, you have to cover it now for a little bit. Yeah. So it was Gen. It was 1.0 film. This was about four years ago oh, that I did. Wow. So it was old film. So and then about 30 minutes later, I see this picture and it's, I think about that noise in my head, how it set off kind of a reaction, a reaction in my head that I didn't recognize myself. Yeah. I'd become a completely different person. I knew my life was over as who I once was, and I was born into a new person as soon as I heard that sound. But I knew what I wanted to do. Really? Yes. It's just, that, is, that sounds like such a magical moment, man. It was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. It, no, it is the single most powerful experience of my life. Really? Wow. And uh, so before that, what were you, like, what was your life kind of like before you kind of met photography? I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Honestly, I was just fumbling around taking pictures. I was, I had been shooting, I bought a camera, a 35 millimeter, an Ultra Maxim yeah. 7000 with a 50 millimeter lens on it, autofocus, uh -huh. at a garage sale four years prior to that Polaroid experience. And I bought film for it and I started using it. Oh. And it's with reckless abandon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just like, I guess I didn't really care. All I needed was money to develop the pictures. Uh -huh. And that's when I stopped caring about money and saw it as a way to get film. Yeah. And to develop it and see those pictures. And I wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, that's how the best things start, though. I love flowers for some reason. I had a super bad flower phase. Oh, man. Oh, really? Oh, it was bad. It was a flower phase. I couldn't figure out. See, I had, I didn't look up anything on this camera. I just I just popped in a whole film. I started using it. And uh, a lot of out-of-focus pictures. <laughs> and then, oh, oh, my gosh, so much. Uh, <laughs> and then I... Uh, a lot of landscapes. Uh -huh. nice, yeah. I took it in the woods with me and my dad. We would go hiking. And oh, that's I'd, cool. I would beat the heck out of that thing. Really? Just I, put I, it through hell? Yeah, I would put it through hell. And I think this was a champ. And uh, I finally figured out how to turn off the autofocus after yeah. one year of using this Oh, camera. you serious? <laughs> yeah. I finally read the manual after a year. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. After a whole oh, jeez, I I never bothered to read the manual until then. But I'm and I learned a little bit about it, how to change the settings and such. I turned off the autofocus and I started going manual. Yeah. So I just like it. It was it was slightly better since I could. I started using manual focus for another three years, and mm -hmm. I discovered you know the perfect balance between. Autofocus and manual. Focus. Oh, there! Oh, there's an actual balance in between it. Like you yeah, can go. Yeah, like there's there's advantages to both, and I finally oh. exploited those after three years. So. Oh, you gained like <laughs> kind of more a deeper understanding of the art and what you were doing. Exactly. That's cool. And the settings as well. I figured out it yeah. took me four years to learn how to work that camera. Wow, that's crazy. And <laughs> I think like the way that it went about, it just it seemed sounded like it happened so naturally. Like you weren't like, I'm gonna take this camera and my life's gonna change. It just kind of grew into its own self. Yeah. And it was a series of events that led to other events. Yeah. That led to more events. Which led to right here. Yeah, exactly. I owe everything I have to film. 
everything I have. It sounds like you've really dedicated like a singular focus onto something that you really, really love and care about. Yeah. And having that deep relationship with a, a pursuit, it's really beautiful. And it's, it sounds like emotionally striking, to be honest with you. Like the, how, how invested and how involved you are and where it's actually taken you to. It's, yeah. Yeah. And with that journey, I have been able to change other people's lives as well. Because it's full of shooting film is an emotional experience as much as it is a physical one where I can interact with people. And I love seeing a person's smile after I give them a picture. It's kind of difficult to shoot Polaroid around people, though, because they don't understand that I'm giving you the picture. Yeah. I'm giving you this memory for free. I don't want anything. I don't need anything. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's like you get it. You're the transmission for you is something deep and just this moment, this experience, whereas everybody else is like seeing the shallower kind of. You're like, what am I going to get out of this? What are you going to do with these pictures? Why are you doing this? Yeah. I I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. You're doing it for the love of it. Isn't that like the purest form of love that you can that you can muster because it's just doing it for the sake of it? Yeah, exactly. I think that's amazing. And like what you are seeking reminds me of a lot of eternal bliss in a certain way. That does what it's been the past six years. Yeah. Yeah, six years. The more you do it, the more it gives back to you, the more love you receive from this pursuit. And it's beautiful. It's not a diminishing return. I think a lot of our things in our society that we can get trapped in sometimes are diminishing returns. Yeah. Like even with a, some jobs, like some uh, labor jobs or whatever, where it's just you move your hands well and that's why you, you do it. Like the one that I'm in, the better you get at it, the more hours you work, but you more, make more money. Or like the bigger the TV you get, you're going to get another bigger TV next year to keep going. That's a yeah. diminished. With this, though, the more you put into it and the deeper that you seem to dive, these crazy magical fucking moments seem to unearth themselves. Yeah. And that's cool, man. In fact, that camera, the first camera I still bought is still my best camera. Really? You still I, have it? I still use it. Oh, my gosh. I still use it. I bought different lessons, lenses for it. I use it for professional shoots. It's it's a very great... I'm still learning. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> you still never learning stop learning. Yeah. It's been six years. That I, same camera? That same camera. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've been still using it. It came with even a bag, and I still use the bag. That's so cool. It's been my main camera. Six years in your main camera? Wow. Yeah. The one that seated it all. Yeah, really, it did. That's cool. And so when did you start taking it on like a professional turn with it? Like, Oh, well. Or uh, intentionally trying to make it into, you know, something. Well, it was, I would put it back to this singular moment mm-hmm. of, uh, I, I was shooting Polaroid that night. That's how I actually got into this. Yeah. Uh, I was at NPCC in downtown, uh, what was it? It's near Puyallup. It's uh, Parkland. Okay. And my friend Aaron brought me out for Mike Live Mike Night. Uh-huh. And I, uh, I was actually shooting a whole life that turned out pink. Really? Like, yeah. It was, in fact, I still have a picture. Uh-huh. On, my, uh, on my Instagram. How, how does that happen? Well, basically, they... Uh, <laughs> this is a whole process yeah. polar, but they make it specially like that oh whoa okay yeah that's so, cool and I took a picture of him of mm-hmm. this guy he had face tattoos and I'm like wow I really Ooh. gotta take dude can I please take a picture he said yeah sure took a picture of him he loved it and 
lo and behold, his name was Daniel Bacon, and he was the founder of Beyond the Cut Foundation. Oh. That I met that night. He said, hey, come out to my event. We're taking care of homeless people. We're doing uh, haircuts for the homeless. We're giving shoes for the homeless, which is Redeeming Souls was involved in, too. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, come out to my event. I want you to shoot film. Shoot film. Shoot Polaroids. And I did. And it was the most... Wow, it was an amazing experience interacting with people, learning their stories. I was, I, I was still kind of nervous about meeting new people. Yeah, but I, I understand that I, exactly. I came anywhere, like, anyway, and uh, I shot Polaroids of homeless people getting their hair, hair cut for maybe the first time in a very long time. Yeah. And you should see their faces, like just the em embarrassed smiles, you know. Just, oh, like, really? Pure ecstasy. From, Feeling their hair, just like looking excellent by these professional uh, hairstylists. Oh, that's so cool. One, the it's it is you have to be there to really experience the joy that those people are feeling yeah. in that moment. That sounds like that's something really cool that they almost give them back their uh, they give them back the sense of humanity too because I think oh, it's do. definitely lost. Yeah. The um, what do you call it? So you were there documenting it all, and it's it. In your photos, you kind of capture that magical essence that's that was happening there. Yeah, that's crazy. So you kind of come at it from like an observer standpoint in a I, lot of ways. I would say I'm purely observer, so I can display that emotion through pictures. Uh -huh. That's why I also want to display is emotion, so that person can feel that emotion or energy coming off of that picture yeah. and put on that jacket, so they can feel it, feel it for uh -huh. them as well. Like, man, look how happy that guy is. For having this haircut, it's like it's it's something you do need to experience it in person. But you can seeing a Polaroid is just it's it's similar. Yeah, exactly. To seeing it in person, and I think that's isn't that what kind of we're all all trying to do? Is that um, yeah, exactly. And it's um, if you. You spend the money once, you'll never, and you take care of it, you'll never have to get anything else again, pretty much. And that's, I got the, the Yeti is the one that I want, and I think it's $169. But if I get it, it it's perfect. I'm doing it for podcasting. The, um, the ones that I'm looking at right now, though, are like a Sony, just to get me by for now, I think. I think you should just go for the 181 yeah. Buy the money. Spend the money once. Yeah, that is true. And then it also it pulls me more into the, it makes me more committed into the podcast realm because yeah. I spent that money. So it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and also you store that with good equipment. Mm-hmm. Cool. Instead of like working your way up to that, that will take longer. That is true. Instead of like maybe, maybe waiting like a month more. Mm-hmm. And then you can have it instead of waiting about like maybe six months more. Yeah. I might have to do that too. spending less money. And they have the adapters for phones now where, like, you can connect the, uh, the MIDI. Oh, yeah, they got the, the headphones. They got the headphone. Yeah, jacks. And they have the headphone jacks, and then you can do, like, a MIDI to the um, fucking USB. Oh, MIDI files. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm familiar with MIDI. See, that's I'm, what... I know of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I use that stuff a lot for when it came down to uh, music producing and stuff like that. Because that's how poetry started was I really loved hip-hop, and I got really heavy into hip-hop, but I didn't want to produce and write my music. I, w I wish I had a producer because it was more difficult for me to make instrumentals. Um, and it was easier for me to do vocals, but I could never rely on anyone because they always fell through on me. 
So I was like, ah, screw it. I just do poetry. And then so poetry became my main medium of expression. It's fucking, yeah. And just, I was really looking forward to hearing you. I know. I was, um, what do you call it? Little man just kind of, he hit the floor. He was having a couple of uh, weird sleep problems. Like, even at home, he would, his bedtime is usually like 6.30. And then he would stay awake until like 10.30. And he would be like really out of it the entire time. Like, he'd come out of his room and I'd just put him back in his bed. Because I try to do like a, a, is it positive affirmation parenting? To where I, I focus on the positive things. Man, so. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> but I put him back in his bed, though, and it's really abnormal. In the four years that he's been alive, he's never had sleep problems. And he would get tired the next day because he'd go to bed at 10. And so the next day would be harder. And then the next day and next day. So during that time, he was having those difficulties. So we couldn't stay like I thought we could. But I really wish I could have because oh, we had our own performance put together and everything. <laughs> yeah, he was the one who was, um, he had the shadow dog, and we actually have the shadow dog, and we, um, we're doing a performance at the house with the shadow dog and a couple other things we're making, but yeah, he, ever since Isle Wild, it sparked like this artistic interest in him more, and then also with photography, that's like, I do this for myself, this, this exploration, but also him, because I'm like, if I do this now, then he realizes that there's people who are really interested in the art and there's people really interested in photography and that it's not just photography, it's experience. And then maybe he'll get addicted to all this crap or something. And if he gets to see that the world is that beautiful that early, then he'll never have that bitter taste in his mouth. Like I did maybe. Or, you know, of mediocrity. Yeah, exactly. Mediocrity is the bane of creativity. It is. Or like mediocrity is the bane of creativity and um what is it abandonment yeah. within yeah. our culture is it's well, it's horrid man it, it should i find it pretty easy to just go back to sleep and make something yeah exactly it's, it's so hard to be creative there's just so many things driving you down and there's because we have we need to do things we we need not saying that it shouldn't be this way but we need to focus on our finances and our responsibilities. Um, but if you look at it on this way, I like to look at it. I try to look at this as objective as I can, come at it from different angles. So the only reason why you get paid at a job is because you're valuable to society, right? And the resources that you're providing, whether it's tires, auto glass, um, uh, collecting sperm samples at a sperm bank, um, it, society says the more money you make, you're giving, you are contributing towards important resources and will pay you a lot. And you're a very valuable person or a very valuable contributor. So if that's, that's what money is, is incentive to innovate for society and you get paid more, the better you innovate. So what we're doing, because we need to make money, right? So we're doing things that don't necessarily interest us because we need to make bills. So we're getting paid because we're get, providing resources. But if you did photography and I did poetry or podcast or computer sciences, and if I could do that now instead of later and then on, I'll drop everything. It, but would we contribute to society more? And therefore, would we be of a better value to society in those situations? So we're wasting society's time right now. Yeah. Just, so we see society as you know, controlling my fate. I see as, man, what, how can I make, you know, me happy and yeah, exactly. And that's where I'm at too. Is that, and I, I think that, but as it's set up as a system, 
you should be given the means to survive more because you're going out and doing these things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because like you're yeah. giving, you're making the resources to succeed. Yes, exactly. And because you're out going out there doing that, you're an incredibly valuable person to your immediate community, and you should be paid as such. But no, I'm not saying a society should do that. But our system is kind of fucked. Yeah. And how we raise kids in our view, because we don't think of it that way. But isn't that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's. And I love that because there's people who always say like current generation is entitled or anything like that. Some people say that. And I think that that's, it's kind of a slap in the face because it's an overgeneralization. It is, truly. And truly. It, the thing that I find very interesting about you, Garrick Sanders, and about many other people that I witness in my day-to-day -day existence and many people that who, who lack it or who don't have it at this moment in time is that you surpass the insurmountable. You work from what, by the sound of it, was 40 hours a week, yeah. yet you still pursue something to the fullest degree, and you do not let that lack of time or lack of resources stop you. And that love affair that you have with your passion, it's so beautiful, and it seems to like affect your life so positively. I celebrate that. I think that's incredible, man. And you love something. You make time for it, whether it be people or, or a thing. Mm. The people who don't make time for those things, do you think they just haven't be become aware of what they love yet? Well, I think they find things more important since they just don't carry on. Like security or something? Yeah, like, I mean, nobody's safe. Yeah. Nobody, has a, nobody has a concrete job. Yeah. You can lose it at any moment. Mm -hmm. You don't have a steady income. I mean, it's, it may not be paying by a threat, but I mean, insurance, I think that it could be. Sometimes, some people don't even use it for their whole entire lives. Yeah, exactly. I think that you're so bogged down by what could happen that you're not thinking, what could you do? Oh. To, you're not in this present moment. Yeah. You're preparing for the future. You're always worrying, worrying. I mean, anxiety can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. But to the point where you're always thinking about, hey, am I going to be able to eat? Or, or, you know, like, am I going to have a job still? I think yeah. that's, those are also important questions, but... Uh, creativity is also food. Mm -hmm. if, yeah, food for the soul. Not food yeah. for the soul, but food for food, these internal things that we can't touch or understand. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. And the in your experience, um, doing these, going out there, going out on these limbs and stuff like that, um, have you experienced that money and food kind of takes care of itself? Or, like, is that fear kind of silly? Well, I... Because we all fear that. And I imagine anyone thinking of doing something that they love has that consideration, too. So how's it worked for you? Well, I mean, that I know that there's always work. There's always work out there. Mm -hmm. No matter what, I always see money as a means to achieve photography. Yeah. It's never an object to me. It's always just... It's always just a middleman to get to where I want to be. I never see it as, I never let it control me or my thoughts. Like, man, can I afford this? It's like, mm -hmm. man, do I want this? Yeah. Like, if you, you shouldn't regret 
regret what you buy. Uh-huh. And I never do it. Unless it's candy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gosh, candy and cookies. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I'm not have eaten that 7-Eleven yeah. sushi. Exactly. <laughs> but I'll have another one. <laughs> oh, no, I know exactly what you mean. People get caught up in that trap of just, like, the buying trap and buying things instead of just enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's my advice as well. And it, it sounds like, too, though, you've... Um, one of the cornerstones of your fulfillment, if I'm getting this right, is that your life contains a purpose, a continual purpose. Yeah, exactly. It's the photography. You live and die from photography and how you enjoy it and expressing yourself in that form. Like, I, do you think without that, like, do you think that is an integral part of your security and your happiness? Not security is financial, but emotional. Uh, yeah, it, I definitely, it is an integral of my security. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it does pay some bills. Uh-huh. Speaking yeah. And exactly. And see, I don't ever think it has to be so conventional either. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. I, I, of course, all way over to you know, high school courses, college, down here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was saying it is similar to my purpose since you know I would be. I wasn't happy at all. I didn't. I had been in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, no. I was in an accident with my. Uh, I, I was coming back from Seattle. Uh-huh. Like I took my girlfriend out to, I guess, the ex-girlfriend out to New Year's Eve, and oh, it's just one bad. And actually, I'll finish that story. And uh, coming home, and I wasn't looking, and ran a red light, and he mm-hmm. got just T-bones oh, in wow. my truck. It's just like. I guess that's one of those moments we were talking about being near death. Mm-hmm. It was about two inches away from the gas tank. Wow. So I, I, I really, I was in such a bad place. Yeah. And then two years later, I got in another accident. Uh-huh. I was going to college, Green River Community Colleges. I fell asleep at the wheel because I had been studying for finals. Oh, shit. And then I got in an accident. And nobody was seriously hurt, but... Um, Six months later, I was for $326,000. Whoa, really? How, how did this happen? I mean, I, well, the woman, woman that I did, yeah. she, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, she uh, was pulling up her pants and tore one of the ligaments in her fingers. What? And she said that was from the accident. That's ridiculous, and she didn't no consideration with how like what it'll do to you or no consideration whatsoever. Whoa. But at that that is one of the lowest points of. I I quit college. Yeah. I only passed one final. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't go back. I was living at home. Yeah. Uh, I was shooting Polaroid then too as well. But uh-huh. yeah, just reevaluation of life. Looking for alcoholic drink. Yeah. I was underage too. It was such a terrible, terrible spot in my life. And film really brought me out of that. Really? See, we all have our, I think, to go and to get to those lowest moments that we can. Not lowest, but those most difficult times in our lives. Yeah. And that emergence period. I think a lot of people have that. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. 
And so you, so al- alcohol, you were struggling with alcohol and stuff like that. After well, I couldn't get it, but I mean, I was always in search of that escape. Yeah. Of some kind of escape. See, I was too when I was younger too. I can relate yeah. to that. Man. Yeah, but I, I actually don't regret, I mean, I didn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy who T-boned me, he wasn't hurt. In fact, oh, he got wow. a new truck. He was actually kind of happy. Oh, really? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? What? That stuff was that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, still wouldn't be in that because I put my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, in such a yeah. situation. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, in fact, now to finish that story of how uh-huh. I, that case, it actually got settled. Yeah, about, really? About a week and a half ago. And how did it go? Uh, well, they uh, they settled for under the my uh, policy limit. Oh, really? Yes. yes. So I'm nothing holding me back. Oh, that's perfect, man! I'm so happy that worked out for you. Yeah, it's that's... just like it's been like lowest lows, the highest highs lately. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of it's almost like it's how it works. It's how it always seems to work. It's like cyclical, where it runs in a oh, circle. Like, yeah, absolutely. And like I, I don't know if you. If you don't get drugged to your lowest, you don't have that baseline of your highest, you know? Absolutely, I believe that. Yeah, but. Is this closed? Yes, it's closed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have a question you want to recommend? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. I just like doing poetry. It makes people laugh, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like talking about it. You know, it's like like hey what was your childhood like yeah exactly and just trying to also you know expanding on the these places that sometimes we never talk about because i even just seen that even come up like you you got vulnerable in a way and they got vulnerable and it it was cool yeah they were kind of like questioning like why is he doing this yeah (laughs) exactly and it's i think that another thing that trips me out and i never thought about it is that that general inquisitiveness and I think it's not with smartphones. You just look it up real quick. People are very, they don't do it often. So with you, it's like, wait a minute. What is that? Who is that? What's he doing? And then I think yeah. they get excited. Got, it's I cool. I do ask a lot of questions. And, and no, I think they do though as well. I think that's the cool thing is there's like this sense of history to it. Yeah. Yeah. That, you're exactly right on that part. Um, also, something else to say. Uh, they, uh, yeah, again, that sense of history that mm-hmm. you're talking about. Really need a mic stand. Yeah, I really do need a mic stand. <laughs> oh, gosh. I miss my microphones, dude. I used to have it before I was up here. When I was in Idaho, I had my own studio set up. Oh, and it was, oh, it was so nice. See, that question. At least it's something that I like to know about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like you had your own studio? Like, yeah. Uh, so can you move all that studio stuff over here? It's uh well I want to. The only thing is I'm stuck in that little apartment, but I am either gonna I don't wanna I wanna try to figure out I got a friend I think around here that I'm able to use his place for a studio and if I could do that just to get me by or a storage unit. Oh run it out for like a dollar a month, you know? I don't like pay for like two months or yeah. I never thought about a storage unit, that'd be freaking cool. Yeah. Hmm. Or there's even like studios for rent. That's what I was. Um, I've been thinking about taking out a small business loan so, and just jumping ship. Not just on podcasting alone, but on a couple other things too. Yeah. More or less of a, um, a collaborative space. Yeah. The thing I gotta say is make sure the business is there for yeah. first. And uh, 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do not, I don't want to wing it. A lot more people. Yeah, that's exactly. That's, that's really important. And, and always, always have business cards. Always. I know. That's why I'm getting my business cards actually coming up soon for uh, a podcast and for poetry and stuff, too. Yeah, seriously. They are, everybody, get business cards. They are so cheap. Business cards? So that that would be the one thing to recommend when someone starts doing it. one thing. If you want to do something and get paid for it, Business cards, business cards, business cards. And you are not a pretentious asshole for having a business card at no, all. Absolutely not. Don't listen to your insecurities. Fuck Listen-up. that. If you like uh, a cute guy, a cute girl, imagine what they think when you hand them a business card. Ooh. How professional is this person? <sighs> and also, you don't have to write down your phone number so they would lose it. Yeah. It's also immediately eye-catching. You have a business card. Even though they're cheap, they don't know that. Yeah, and they, they think, <laughs> and it also creates, oh, this guy's perfect. This guy's serious. Oh. Your business card could look like shit. Like yeah. Mine does. Because I bought it, like, I made him, like, four years ago. Uh-huh. Or, like, no, two years ago. And they, like, <laughs> like they didn't have my Instagram on there. Really? Like, my Facebook on there. And they just look like shit. But they do have my email. Yeah. And my number. That's exactly enough. That is just email and number. Need. Also, I, was, I don't have any. That's my problem. Always have business cards on you. Yes. Tip number two. I know. Get business cards on you at all times. Get business cards and then get them on you. I don't care if you're going to the shower. Have business cards on you. Going to the bathroom. Porta potty. Leave them in the porta potty. Someone might find them next time. Exactly. Leave them in businesses. Yeah. Like they have those like boards that mm-hmm. like uh, like gas stations. Anything, man. In see. And I think getting creative with it too, and also meeting uh, different people and getting in different communities as well. Hand them your business card. They may not call you back, but they have it. Maybe yeah. they'll find it like a month later or something like that. And didn't we were talking about earlier, like the only difference between whether or not you get something or you get somewhere is just the amount of times that you try. Yeah. It's always, man. Always. It's, and um, so you were talking about, so the case got settled. Yeah. And um, you're in that dark space and then you're doing Polaroid. But at that moment, you had this kind of like a light switch effect or a slow light switch effect where you turned. Yeah. And it started looking up for you. Well, it, that light switch was when I first shot Polaroid. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, it started going, even though I was being sued, I yeah. was going up from there. Like, oh, my gosh, it was it has been like a year and a half since this case was even put to court. Yeah. Jeez, they so, dragged that out for sure. I know exactly. Like, uh, but it it it's finally done. It's been just unfilled yes. here. Yes, Garrick. So excited. For Tides have turned. And also, uh, to expand on that couple yes. that we just met, or and their daughter, uh, mm-hmm. nostalgia is a powerful, powerful feeling. Yes. When looking back on your mood, on your happy days, because you just remember the happy times. Yeah. Unless they were really dramatic. So, right. I mean, uh, they usually focus on the happy times. Uh huh. That's why I guess Polaroid is so easy to meet people with. Yeah. It's interesting. It immediately catches the eye. You can give them a memory. It's striking. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And it, and it is a call back to those, you know, that those are st- it's nostalgia. And yeah. especially now in this day and age, too, it's almost like you're keeping around an art. It's not a dying art. It's an art that relates to people on a level, on that nostalgic level. And that's it is powerful, man. Yeah. And also, nostalgia sells. Just think about all the Marvel and DC movies. Mm-hmm. Callbacks. 
to comic books. Oh, yeah. Why do you think people are in love? Like, that's so 90s. That's so 80s. Nostalgia is so powerful. People love typewriters, cassette tapes, Mm -hmm. vinyl. It's been making resurgence. Isn't that a weird thing, though? Like, how does that, like, that, that component of people as a whole... Where it's not weird as in like a negative thing, but like weird as in how it like actually is, came back. Yeah, why does it manifest? Like I it's really cannot explain it, but maybe a callback to a simpler time. Oh. Technology really complicated things. That's true because isn't it only now that we see, at least that I'm aware of anecdotally, where people desire to you know go backwards? Yeah, I don't to, it, to a callback even yeah because of that fear for expressiveness, of course. But then you have those people who really want to stand out in the crowd. Yeah. But then they want to stand out so much that they can be the same as their job. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, like yeah, you I'm not going to say all hipsters are like that. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't even really like met any. Yeah, I don't think I have. Yeah. I want to, though. I'm curious. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's curious as well. But yeah, I'm like into all that. I have typewriter, reel-to-reel, eight tracks, vinyl. Uh-huh. If you're from, uh-huh. You know Fallout 4? Yeah, yeah. I, I love I'm, Fallout 4. I... I'm collecting the whole entire discography uh-huh. of the music on 78s. What? So I, I just got the Ang spots. I don't want to set the world on fire on the original pressing. That is cool. And I got Rocket 69 and that. Whoa. So yeah, it's, I think I like old things because of simplicity behind it. Yeah. I'm not really too technical. Guys, is fucking enough to wear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's why. I roll through it. But yeah, I just. I really love simple things. Yeah. I understand. Uh, probably because I have, uh, I've had ADHD. I was diagnosed when I was 12. Uh-huh. I've been taking medicine for about eight years. Yeah. On it. So it's like, it, it makes, when you complicate things too much, I get distracted. I can't do this. Yeah. Anymore. Your brain goes into a million different places at once. Okay. And that's why if there's background noise, I'll look over there. Yeah. Talking. No, I'm, I have that to a certain degree. Cause when I, you know, smoke it, sometimes that helps me, but I have like, I get very scatterbrained. It's not, yeah. uh, I've experienced people where they get way more scatterbrained. It's not to that extent, but it, it can be pretty bad yeah. to where like, I'll even have a conversation with someone and I'll explain something halfway because I was having that conversation in my head and then I jumped into a conversation with them, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so but I understand that. I choose to as a blessing. Yeah. I, I really wouldn't change. I love this, I guess, condition as you call it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's helping, but it's helping me. I, I found myself to be creative yeah. and I expand upon that. But I mean, also don't take talent to be the only greatest thing. Don't let talent talent carry you. Yeah. Because the best people have talent and they work hard at it. Oh, I see. So it's effort and talent. Yeah. And what's you know, other also disappointing is, you know, I, I used I know this guy, he was he wasn't very talented at it. Mm-hmm. I he I was in band at one point and he played a oh, really? baritone and he wasn't very talented, but he worked so, so hard at uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. So, so hard, but he was just missing the talent. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's heartbreaking. And then you have people who have talent and then they don't work at it. Yeah. And it, it's this like magical concoction of both. Yeah. That's. Of course, the thing is with people who work hard is they can become good. Yeah, Exactly. But then you have people who are elevated even beyond that, which have talent and they work hard. Mm-hmm. 
And do you think, though, like, here's what trips me out is, do you think innately having talent, so, you know, if you're born with talent or you notice you're aware you have talent from the get-go or as you get older and stuff, um, do you think that creates, that shifts your perspective of already possessing to the point to where most likely it'll make it to where you don't work hard at it? Does that make sense? Because then you're like, oh, I am talented. Your world looks different. Maybe mediocrity is the bane of every person. Yeah. Yeah. And then it stops. There's no growth. See, and, and I think that it's it breaks my heart when I see that. And I also question like like what's beyond that because I'm the kind of person where I say I got like hundred years, seventy years, whatever, somewhere right around there. And so if I only have a static amount of years, then I should try to have the best experiences the most often, right? The deepest experiences. And so why would I intentionally anyways? stop myself from having an even deeper experience. Like if it's, even if it's exercise, I'll try to go into a place like that. Oh, I can't go any further. I can't go there. Or I can't um, learn these new things. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. And I keep going because I know behind that fifth wall is even more like incredible experience than before. And with art, I even think it's the same thing. Like if you're not pursuing that talent or even if you don't have that talent, if you're just not pursuing that, or just like what is life? That experience, like, mm -hmm. I'm sure, I don't know if it was difficult for you to come out to Isle Wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you were like, oh, man, but that's work. Yeah. Like, you just, you have to go out there, even if you don't want to yeah. do it. I didn't know anyone I had a, um, so here's the, the whole vulnerable description of it, is that I didn't know anybody. I only knew Phoenix Chicken, who was a friend who was down there at one point in time and knew all them, but, I and I'm not a, um, I'm getting into these communities. I haven't existed in a, an artistic community like that before. And I'm not used to being vulnerable or expressing myself. So I go down and then my son throwing it into the mix and how he would respond. So I had anxiety when I was going down there. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is going to work out. But I went there and I'm like, the biggest thing is just to try. And I went there and it was the greatest experience I've ever had for yeah. both my son and I. Like that's how we met each other. Yeah, exactly. That's that's how every great thing in my life ever happened. Like last night, going to go hike up to the Alpine Lakes, not really knowing who I was going with, having a little bit of anxiety, like, am I going to get along with these people and what to expect? And it was one of the greatest hikes that I've had yeah. in a while. Life is just a series of saying fuck it. Yeah, it is. Life is just a series of saying fuck it. Yeah. I like that, Garrett. That's perfect, man. Yeah. You just got to say fuck it enough. Oh, gosh. And so you got, with your photography, you started getting into more um, uh, out of landscapes, out of your flower phase, you called oh, it, in like some BDSM. Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was fun while it lasted, but I was like, man, this isn't fun. Yeah, I can understand that. I love flowers, but I mean, I don't need to use film on this. Yeah, I looked at my back of my poetry, and I'm like, oh, I talked about fucking for like a whole year. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> all of those phases at the beginning. Yeah. Just stepping stones. Exactly. It's personal growth. It's an evolution. Yeah, man. nobody starts off no. like at a good spot. And please don't. <laughs> I would prefer much more prefer any of you guys listening, no matter what the fuck you do, to see just horse shit as long as you keep doing it that's all because yeah. eventually you'll be very pleasing and also uh you wouldn't be an artist if you didn't hate your work oh yes that's like uh, that's the bitter fucking sweet truth of it <laughs> yeah 
god <laughs> and so you got into like different communities after that is that how did it evolve from landscape into like, it actually evolved from landscape to portraits oh the portraits yeah the portraits because i just love people uh-huh. I, I can't deal with just that i need i need a subject i need a person yeah. who's interesting enough to make that see that's why i like to say 75 percent person 25 percent background I would have never thought about that because the person doesn't usually take up that much. I'm interested. Explain this. Why? So your eyes wander over a picture. Yeah. But I want it to be, usually that's why I like to put it off off center. So there is that landscape scene to it, but you're always, your eyes are always drawn to the person. And the background accents the person in the portrait. Okay. Maybe sometimes I like to, uh, I haven't really done this lately, but uh, having the act, the background uh maybe reflect the person really like they can have like punk rocker uh punk rocker you know like liberty spikes going on mm-hmm. but they hit but they're in a series of trees oh whoa reflecting inner peace and you know it's cool so the, like a sense of duality almost and yeah, like exactly okay or just who they are as a person because i mean honestly you could have a person wearing uh, i guess cardigan with a coffee shop seattle kind of vibe yeah and still love the outdoors oh and that is something that's weird about seattle i don't know it could be other places and i could be ignorant to that fact i haven't been a lot of other places aside the northwest pacific northwest but it's cool because you got a mishmash, really strange, not strange in a bad way, just very different um, interests and just personalities, like a punk yeah. rocker who is very tranquil and Zen Buddha at night. Yeah. Or uh, just there's other just groups of people waiting for their stories to be told. Yes, they are. Just for people to understand, there's so many misunderstood communities mm. like, so that have been taboo for ages and yeah. ages. But have always been a part of society, even though they're taboo. Exactly. And they've never, um, and the reasons why they're taboo have never actually manifested, especially like homeless people and all that stuff. They're even talking about the, they open up the homeless RV lot or whatever. Yeah. And uh, there's no been, there hasn't been a rise in crime, even though there's been hella complaints. And then they go in there and like check. And they're like, no, in our studies from today, monitoring this shit. There's no rise in crime, you fucking fuckheads. Yeah. No offense, bro. What, all what that bad language. What I would like to do is, because I never, I never read that study, what I would like to do is go inside myself and mm-hmm. take pictures and show people. This isn't crime. This isn't crime-filled neighborhood. This isn't, mm-hmm. there may be some drugs because these people have these uh, vices. And if they're not, they're not breaking into my house, they're not jacking my car, anything like that, you do whatever you want, man. As yeah, long as it's, it's clean and as long, yeah, you don't infringe on my life. Like if you do drugs, you do. You do it. Yeah. I mean, it may be bad for you, but it is well, really your choice. If and we and if we go off the argument of saying, all right, I'm not here to like I don't fat shame people. Body types, beautiful, whatever, all the body types. But if you're over there, McDonald's motherfucking drive through, and you're on your twentieth hamburger for the day, you have an overeating problem. And we say that, well, we, people should make their own decisions because they're only hurting their own body, right? So why, what about drugs? Because drugs, we, you're telling another human being that you can't make the decision to hurt your, you know what I mean? To, yeah. to be unhealthy or to have an unhealthy lifestyle. If you can't do that with food, you can't do that with drugs. It doesn't make any sense, man. Yeah, it's a double standard, but also, you know, uh, they shouldn't be allowed to hurt other people. Yeah. 
that's my thing. And that's, I completely agree. And I think if, but if we come up to this opening, like what you're saying, open conversation where you don't have to hide it if you have it not going to schools. But I mean, like if I walked up to a homeless dude, he doesn't know, he doesn't have to worry that I'm a cop and we could just have a conversation. So why, why do you do this? Why are you here today? You know, what brought you here? Yeah, exactly. And you like to, oh, you, you, okay, you want to freebase some crack. That's completely cool. I'll pause this shit real quick. So why, why do you like freebase and crack? I'm curious, you know? I like smoking a little weed, so... That's, that's yeah, it's like, why do you do this? What, what You're not... You there's no shame behind it, then. That's because I think the shame that's behind it makes it even worse. Yeah. And yeah, it is. So that's kind of what I want to do, though, is similar to you. Actually, we, need to, we might need to talk about this later. Yeah. Because um, with you going in and doing the photography, because I want to do some podcasting and some uh, poetry workshop shit yeah. because I was doing it up in Bellingham and basically what I would do it, cause I'm curious is a homeless person. I'm not going to assume that, Oh, well you're just there. Cause I've seen studies where people have given up, they've given housing, like a homeless population, housing and jobs. And it was, um, the jobs, they'd have extra money and all of this stuff. And then like, couple months down the road, 75% of them are back on the streets, and a lot of them reported, oh, this is where I want to be, on the streets. So it's not like they're just lazy and don't want a job. There's something else. Yeah, there's, there's definitely there's such a, a huge psychological part to this. Yes. That's why we need more uh, psychological resources. And let's explore this. Like, Not even like explore this is in your You're a case. Let me open you up. But you're a person. Let me hear your story. Be authentic. Like homeless people are still people. Yeah, exactly. And your story is still beautiful. And not not in the same way that my story is, though, but in a different way because you have a different lifestyle than me. I mean, Joe Schmo with the uh, housewife doesn't mm-hmm. understand why that man is on the street because he's never been what he's been through. So that's why I want to take a picture of that man and show hey, this is why. Yeah. This is the reason why. This is what he's going through. Exactly. And also, Sorry, Joe Schmo, you don't understand. And also Joe Schmo with the wife, like uh, a drifter, so let's say a drifter passes through Seattle or passes through Bellingham. It happens all the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Joe Schmo looks at him and says, oh, that's a very poor man. And Joe Schmo goes back to his work. He takes one vacation a year. Yeah, um, but yeah, this, yeah, yeah, and he's like, all right, and I, I don't understand that guy's poor. He doesn't have life. He's just a loser. And then Drifter's looking at him, and he's like, I don't understand that guy's a loser. All he does is he goes to work, and he's really unhappy. So it's like these two different ways of life, and none of them just are. Yeah, they don't relate. No, not at all. And I think, but that was, I guess. <laughs> exactly, and the and the crazy thing is the podcast that I did do with, with people who choose to live outside, they they did look down upon the other people in those situations, just like the working class looked down on the homeless situations. But um, none of them seemed right or wrong. It just seemed a different lifestyle, and it's it's trippy. We've always had people who've chosen to live outside. Since the dawn of time, it's yeah, dawn of time. When people chose to be civilization, societal norms, yeah, place on everybody else. And what's in the saying that that's wrong, or as a government with laws and as a society with our culture, looking down upon that as a whole, not as an individual, I'm not blaming any of you, but like TV and all that stuff, we talk about it as a problem, right? Yeah. And when you do that, you alienate those people. Instead of having cool conversations and connecting, oh, oh, there's something wrong with them. You hold them at arm's length. And that's if we... And talk about them to other people, keep them at arm's length too. 
to say what we should we really instead of looking down upon our government, we should look down upon these people. Yeah. And I think if we were able to open up these conversations, we would understand that we all relate in some way and that we would all benefit in some manner. Not even benefit on compassion level, but benefit on what we struggle with personally. Yeah. I also believe that uh, everyone should have the resources to be successful. Yes. Everyone, I mean, if they're, no matter, but I mean, at any level, if you work hard, 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 hard work your ass off. Mm-hmm. Those resources should always be there. Isn't that? That's what I was saying about how the salary thing, how some of it, none of it makes any sense. Because right now with your photography, you're more valuable to society. And so if you're working hard in that, somehow you sh- you're worth more to society. And that that's only gauged by other people's opinions. That is very true. And it's, um, I think today though, it's not becoming as much of a problem anymore. Because for you to put out all your photography and network now, you can do it so instantly with technology that it's it's not free, but it's very cheap. Like if I wanted to start my own business, put it on Kickstarter. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess cheap wouldn't be the yeah, I couldn't cheap. use that for mine. But uh, the thing is, uh, it's, it's such accessible. It's such a niche uh, group because everybody has a digital camera. Yeah. They have one in their hands. Mm-hmm. They have one in their oh, pockets. Yeah, I see they what you're saying. I mean, digital cameras, they, people buy them for Christmas. Mm-hmm. They bring it out to family events. They take pictures of flowers. Yeah. And they put their work online. And, you know, the thing is, it's so, photography is so oversaturated. You could have somebody do a wedding. Mm-hmm. In fact, the first wedding I did, uh, they actually, uh, I was shooting film. Yeah. Just film. And also, I was shooting digital as well that my, that the bride's friend let me borrow. Uh-huh. I took pictures of both of them. Uh, and uh, there was also another photographer there shooting digital. Mm-hmm. Which is, I guess way better than me than on digital side. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the thing is about film, they sent her home early. Oh, really? Yeah, they had me stay. Really? Yeah. Whoa, because it was just that something else or like it's well, special quality? Maybe because I was kinder or I, you know, she, she wasn't very nice oh yeah she she wasn't very understanding oh i see i see yeah the thing is uh you have to be very flexible but uh Uh i uh yeah i shot the rest of the day and shot the rest of the wedding on film really yeah and digital of course i looked at digital pictures and they're like total crap yeah (laughs) (laughs) man this is awful (laughs) like where's my film (laughs) yeah that's so i did shoot film as well so i have to take pictures from that Heck yeah, and they really like the film aspect of it too. Oh yeah, they love the Polaroid That's aspect. That's cool, man. And so, tell me about the story of how you got into like the BDSM community and um, the the other communities that you've gotten into as well. Like, uh, well, the BDSM. I I have a friend and she's a submissive. Yeah. And uh, I I guess she's fluid on mm-hmm. that part. She can be a dominant and submissive, but I it. It's so taboo that I really, am, I want to see these people's stories because I mean we aren't as a society we never talk about this. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Only too. when there was a scandal or something like that, and I'm just like, what is this family aspect that I hear? Like I watched some videos that she was talking about how the trust that is involved with these uh, two people. Yeah, and um, how uh, 
you know, it's the submissive and dominant. It's complete trust. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't even sound sexual to a point. It can be, but I mean, it's at a point where, wow, this trust is special. Yeah. Some of these couples in America don't even have this kind of level of trust. No, that they, people have. no not at all. I completely agree with you. They don't get to that deeper aspect of a, yeah, a relationship. It's, it's, yeah. really, it gets really deep and where you trust the person to really? take care of you. And that's like an active, like the spoken of um, yeah. uh, relationship or thing, yeah, like the trust. I would say it's deeper than marriage. Really? Yeah, because I mean, it. I mean, it's not a slave versus, uh, you know, slave and master. Mm-hmm. It's more of a giving two pieces, meaning the submissive can take care of you, uh-huh. and the dominant takes care of the submissive, oh. but takes but commands submissive because that's how the personality is. Yeah, or is. That they're just naturally submissive, and they like that. Oh wow! So that's why they're submissive. If you don't like being one, then you're not. Yeah, then you're or dominant. Or you stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can stop being submissive at any point. Yeah. And so it's all about the trust, openness, and communication, right? Yes. And yeah. I think that that is fucking incredible because, so if if we were to say, "Oh, that's bad." You still think that regardless, and those are still your feelings. You can't say that that's bad. You, you know what I mean? Like, the BD, I think it shouldn't be taboo. It should definitely be spoken about more and explored more because if that if you're being honest to your feelings and you're getting to these places that a lot of people can't get otherwise, you should let people grow and figure that out, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, they shouldn't, uh, I guess, taboo it as much at, at all for that matter. Yeah. Because that's what people are into. They're not harming anybody else no. and apparently it sounds they're not they're not turning your kids to snort marijuana yeah exactly yeah <laughs> make your fucking... kids snort marijuana yeah, oh god yeah give them cardiovascular <laughs> yeah, like, yeah let's go smoke a beer dude yeah smoke that shit go fucking eat some crack yeah oh god see that's i guess like they think it's degrading society when they're just when you're distracting themselves from the real problem. Yeah. Which isn't, BDSM isn't destroying the whole fabric of society. No, it's, um, what I would almost want to say is BDSM is the exploration of society and the human experience. Because you're exploring the authentic feelings that you have without any anything holding you back. So, like, what I want to get, where I want to get to on a personal level, I've been tripping out about this, maybe I was a little too high, but um, <laughs> the, I want to get to the point to where I can connect with someone, with whoever I am with at the time, in the deepest way possible. I want to connect with them like I've known them my entire life. And how do I get there the quickest way possible? Not by not getting to know them, but, like, just deep. So the first time I meet you, I want to find out how to feel like we've been friends for our entire lives. And then the, the only reason is because I want to get to that level, that connection with people, because it's it's bliss. And then, um, what do you call it? Expanding on these trust relationships and shit. If with BDSM, like you're talking about, and being in those situations, it might give us more knowledge as a whole of how to cultivate trust, even outside of the BDSM realm. Does that make sense? Like yeah. to, to explore, allow people to explore that they might innovate and create new understandings. Yeah, the thing is, I still need to get more involved with the community. Yeah, the community. I, I really, I don't understand yet, but I'm really open mm-hmm. to understanding. I really want to go to a show, go to a rope work show. Wait, I got shows. How yeah. does this oh, work? Absolutely. I'm so There's confused. Like the dungeon in Seattle. It's a BDSM 
show kind of deal where they have like rope work, they hold like uh-huh. uh, submissives up in the air with rope. Oh, so do you watch and it's like a thing, or do you contribute and then they're? Uh, I've only done done like I've only talked to some dominants. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm I'm really excited to go to a dungeon cool. show. Whoa, I'm gonna have to check that out. Dungeon shows. I'm gonna might walk away with my tail between my legs at first, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, but I'm glad I can see it from a neutral viewpoint because I'm also asexual. Yeah, so oh, whoa, you are. Yeah, so I that's why I don't see it as a sexual aspect. I uh-huh. see it as an interesting point of view that everybody should see in that kind of light. Yeah. So, you're with your. Would you like to talk about your asexuality, just in case there's people out there who might might be something that they're interested in or that they're unaware of? That's I'm, I'm curious. So, like asexuality is where you're not, um, you don't have like an intimate sexual aspect with anybody, or it doesn't matter what gender they are. It could be no, it, just no intimacy whatsoever. No intimacy and whatsoever. No need for it. Really? Oh, that's like Nikola Tesla. Like, oh, was he? Yeah, he, has, he, well, he. His idea was that it was a waste. He's never had sex in his entire life. And uh, Nikola Tesla, not Elon Musk with the fucking Tesla. Don't, don't, don't get ignorant on me, people. The um, he he believed it was a waste of time and it deterred him from science. Yeah, I would say that's that about the same thing. Yeah, yes. and I'm not saying that's wrong. That's interesting. That's fuck. My, my family likes to ask. So. Um, when are you going to get a girlfriend? It's like, when I run out of film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Which is never. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, I'm dating my cameras pretty much. Yes. And, you know, I, and also what I believe in also is friendships last longer than relationships. Yeah. That's, and also there's a deeper level of trust. I can tell my friend that, whoa, girl, you're going out with that lipstick? Yeah. Come on, girl. You can do better than that. Yeah, exactly. But you can't tell that to some of your dating because that'd be rude. Yeah, it's true that we do have all of these kind of weird traps within our culture. Exactly. That I think are kind of imaginary. Just it's even bathrooms. It's just it's all kind of imaginary. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Just, there's friendships are more open. Yeah. Than relationships. I mean, relationships really kind of close your mindset, or you can't say anything bad to your partner. I mean, if you do have that level of trust, though, it can relationships can be a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I I can see that. And, like, the way that I perceive a relationship is uh, there's – you have these hierarchy of friendships, like, where you get closer and closer to someone. And I'm not – I never fucking made them up. But um, I don't know why. I just – I wouldn't get my – I couldn't get – I couldn't get – I'm not attracted to a man. But the – how I'm looking at, like, the relationship, how I've been exploring it lately is that you have a friend. And then once you get even closer and, like, open – then you have a best friend. And then once you get to this other level, this is for me on a personal level, um, this other level of complete openness and vulnerability, it's like it's an intimate relationship in a way. Yeah. Where, it's intimate without the intimacy. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you, we all express it in our own ways, and that's why I find it interesting is because there's, for you, it's a different way. And I'm like, when did it start? Like, what triggered it? it were just the cameras? Well, I, I would say this is a really uh, personal experience mm-hmm. with an ex-girlfriend. Uh, uh-huh. She was very, 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 very,
Yeah. And it's just no interest there whatsoever. Yeah. I was literally, I felt myself being pulled back. Yeah. Wow. It was, I would say, an experience. I'm very sorry to her that I couldn't fulfill any questions that she had. But I mean, it's, I think I really found who I was. And now I can take a truly neutral standpoint without being either sexually uh, motivated or charged. Yeah. Yeah. More than that, where I can, you know, I can, I've done a lot of. So uh, interesting. Hey, uh, do you want to we'll go get some guys? Yeah, exactly. But like, I think you only can account for a certain percentage. You can get rid of something to a certain extent, to ninety-nine percent. But you're always gonna have that one percent of just fuckheads. Yeah, exactly. And I think, though, what the difference between like a, a good or a, a manageable and high quality of life society is how tolerant we are of other people. It's how we tolerate them. And the ideas of what they say. Exactly. Even if you're like, like the whole idea of like a serial killer, even you're not tolerating like, oh, yeah, they should be out because obviously not. But you put them somewhere and you're not acting out of malice and your society reflects that. Like you're not like evil serial killer. You put them in there and you just, you treat it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It's just like, actually I've, I've read this excellent book on psychopathy. Really? Yeah. It, it is excellent. It's more of a, something that it's not a negative thing. It's what people do with that. And this comes down to talking about things that are taboo. So, Continue, yeah. I like this. Yeah. But the thing is, is the psychopaths have a more direct approach where he would say three people over one, no matter who that one person is. Mm -hmm. They, uh, <laughs> I guess it's like they see the light and they understand that it's red, but they go through it anyway. Oh, I so see. They what understand you're the saying. choices that they're making, but it just has no bearing on yeah, who they are. It has no like, weight. I guess they, they don't. Lack of empathy is another part of a psychopath. Uh huh. They don't care. Yeah, and it, it's an interesting. Um, also, they see the the ends justify the means is always the answer. You'd almost think that they'd come out of it from an objective, analytical approach instead of an emotional approach. Yeah, that's what it sounds but like. Yeah, it, it is totally analytical. Yeah, totally analytical. But yeah, it's also a part of us as well. Some people are more have more psychopathic tendencies yeah so i mean it's not always a bad thing no it's, it's, it's fantastic just like anxiety can't be a good thing mm -hmm. and it's the, the how you utilize the things that you have yeah. because um we all have our own little sharp and broken parts and we also have our smooth edges some of us have more smooth edges some of us are sharper than others yeah. but utilizing you for your uniqueness makes this society more whole in the end because you have benefits that I don't have, so you and I kind of work together. Yeah. And we both have fucking awesome benefits, and you take care of my fuck-ups, I take care of your fuck-ups. Expand that even larger, and then all of a sudden you start getting well-rounded and all-encompassing in your perspectives and wise. Yeah. And I think it's important, because, like, once you get into the idea of, like, all right, what's your... How should a human behave and stuff like that? Like it, it gets however human behave. Exactly. As long as you don't hurt me, then do whoever you are and explore whoever you are and I embrace you. Don't cool. me. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Exactly. With my own body, with my own life. Yeah. And 
in the end, you're going to probably, I would imagine someone like that would always benefit a society and for the good of everyone else as well, because you're going to result in conclusions, whether or not that's abstract conclusions to words or innovation that would benefit society in some profound way. So there's a psychopathic, a person who had psychopathic tendencies and we have to run wild because it's just a fucking person that didn't do anything bad. And then... All of a sudden, they want to be in the woods for all I can. Yeah. can build a shed. Oh, go out in Seattle, and then, you know, in a big city, even, and they become a CEO, and they make the fucking Elon Musk. And because they're psychopathic, they lack empathy and have and know the analytics of things, maybe they were, that's why they were in the woods. Yeah. Like, oh, they're taboo. We should put this guy away. Mm-hmm. And just learning his potential. But also, another thing, I think... People really, they see conditions as disabilities. I mean, they take it to a point to where they limit themselves. Because it's like, oh man, I have anxiety. Instead of trying to overcome that, they they let it just disable them inside. And they they limit their potential. And their potential could be great. Those people with anxiety, those broken people, are the most... I completely agree with you. It's like almost the saying, I've never met an interesting man with an easy pass. Yeah. Or with the, it's those people that are like torn. That's the thing that I looked at someone who was like someone very influential in my life. And they're just a really interesting person. And I found out that the reason why they were there is because there was a hell inside their mind. And they fought to get out of that. And that was the result. If they never would have fought and they were just satisfied, they would have just been who they always were. In a way. Mediocre. Yeah, mediocre. And it's as to what cost. Does it have to have some severe emotional or mental cost? Or can it be without? That's that's the thing. Because if not, if, it, if that is a cost of not being mediocre, then that means that tragedy is essential. And that the more that we try to remove tragedy from our cultures, we're going to hurt our perspective and we're going to hurt our creativity and innovation. Right? Because you don't have a crucible to walk through. So, but what we're doing right now is trying to make this world very, very safe. And so, is that non conducive to who we are? The thing is, with safe, there's nothing safe about creativity. Yeah, no, not at all. That's, that's the opposite. Danger of it. It's yeah. Cool. Even on the small little, you don't notice aspects of danger. But yeah. Uh, seriously, like, we need to remind people who <laughs> have that, uh, non, uh, have that, uh, I guess conformist mindset to societal norms and figured why are you doing this and then they become a threat to you and it's like hey I don't like what you're doing I'm mm-hmm. going to go out of my way to make your life miserable and when it comes down to that stuff it's just insane to me because, yeah it's insane like, to me it's like I didn't do anything to you and, yeah and you're not you are spe- spending energy and time in your life to that's be able what drives to me nuts. take time from someone <laughs> else's life and take energy from them like shouldn't we be building shit right now Making something cool and experience. Like you may not look, you may not like the look of the building, but it doesn't mean you have to go out of the way and pull out every single nail. Yeah, exactly. Just leave the building there. Build a build over there. Yeah, just build over there. You don't even have to look at the building. You can build a wall in front of your building. Yeah, I don't care. Just leave me alone. <laughs> no, exactly. <gasps> so, Gosh, yeah. And now, what you're doing with photography? Where are you like? Um, do you have any goals that you're studying for, like, the future or anything like that? Or any projects you're working on right now? Well, um, I do have this. I want to do that uh, project with uh, 
I guess I I'm gonna change the name, but uh, uh, shoot film, not drugs. Yeah. I should. I'm gonna change the name. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but have uh, ex drug addicts or even current drug addicts connect with their children through Polaroid photography because I mean it's that nostalgic feeling of the parents and showing their kid. They're making memories. Yeah. yeah what, like what they have from their childhood. And connecting on a deeper level. Yeah. Seriously, kids love Polaroids. They're just absolutely fascinated. My little it. man There's, was just so into it. Yeah. Watching it develop, how it looks. And it's like, why does it look like this? How has it come out? What's going on here? Yeah. Types of questions those parents maybe can or not answer. It can lead to other things. Like, then they have memories that they can put in their house. Like, hey, remember this? Yeah. This was a great time. That's so cool, and it's special. It's not watered down by the millions of pictures you can take with something yeah. digital. That's cool. That's yeah. That's what makes something special is it being limited. Yeah, that's why I have limited edition. That's People so always cool. love limited edition. That's so cool. Yeah, and um, I also have. I really want to make a film on uh, Super Eight. Mm-hmm. Do you know that? Super Eight. Super Eight is a type of movie film. Uh huh. It's like eight millimeter, but uh, it's a camera. I guess. It's oh yeah, way. and it has a, the things on the top, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that cartridge on it that I was telling you about. And I want to. It's a movie. It, uh-huh. I wanted to call three figures. On the movie on there. It's, uh, I I've had this idea for such a long time, but I really wanted to do it on film. Oh yeah. And uh, and have like a showing on my projector. Uh-huh. Ooh. Yeah. That would be cool. And uh, just uh, if you, I really need to create a page for this. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, I already have the script played out. I already have the scenes. Actually, there isn't a script because there isn't any sound. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, cool. There's yeah. no sound. <laughs> but I do have a soundtrack in mind. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Radiohead, uh, Pyramid Song. Oh yeah. yeah That'll be sweet. That is the ethos that I want for that. That's so cool. And so you just. Um, you're going to put all this together. You're going to do like public showing of it or anything like that? I would like to. It's just, I need to, of course, there's there's such things as bad takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on film, it's even harder on that. Oh, God. So basically, I have to film multiple scenes on film and not know what it looks like. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, make a page. Let's do this. We'll get everyone listening. They'll, they'll like it, hopefully. And go on for culture, too. Yeah, I think I will do that. I think I'll make a GoFundMe or, I don't know, Kickstarter or something like that. Because I would like to do a small film or a something about the idea. Dude, absolutely, man. I think, like, if you do, you have the GoFundMe, the Kickstarter, and 4Culture, and I create a Facebook page, at least at first. And definitely go from there. Yeah. Definitely. Instagram, Instagram really gets you around, I realize. Even my poetry and stuff, like, yeah. A lot better than Facebook, it seems. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I've talked to page on Facebook. <laughs> that's my problem. I never, I barely post stuff. Yeah, that's, that's my problem, Even too. on Instagram, I barely post stuff. <laughs> even though I have plenty, I have so many pictures that I've developed. It's just busy in the experience. No, not even that. I, I don't know why. I haven't <laughs> had time to do this, but it just never bothered. Oh, gosh. The worst. I'm going to text you every, like, on occasion, every four days. So, hey. have you got any content yes. yet? <laughs> Yes. yes, I'll keep you accountable. 
contest. Yeah, I really do need that. Yeah, somebody absolutely. keep me accountable. I, mean, that's, that's, I, had a, I used to have an accountability partner when I was doing the uh, virtual poetry slams and doing a lot of writing and stuff before. So absolutely. And keep each other accountable. Yeah. Gosh, I would love that. And um, I can't, I had uh, one more project to do be involved with other societies outside of societal norms oh, I guess that I'm... are considered taboo. Oh, yeah? Oh, oh also, um, that one where I show, I take slides, slide film pictures of uh, different people, different societies, different, uh, oh, just many different things, put it into a show. Mm-hmm. Or even a movie, even, somewhere in Ghost by so you see all these flash of different images yeah. of different people or like a face and it moves closer and closer but there are different people's faces oh, yeah. yeah and of cool. people doing amazing things just like that Black Lives Matter protest I think I'll do a show for that really? yeah of all those slides I took that would be so cool yeah. let's get this done yes Absolutely. I look forward to it man 